What is up, everybody? Best hour of their day. Uh, Jason had an awesome interview with my good buddy, Judd Dean. We talked about a ton of things. We talked about training masters athletes, what that should look like from a volume, intensity, and frequency standpoint. We talked about running the affiliate for more than 10 years. We talked about his background in athletics, working in Globo Gems, how that transferred over to running his box. Uh, and then we talked about a ton of stuff with regard to doing personalized CrossFit programming for the athletes in his gym and, and how Judd has made a transition within his gym um, to program more specifically for athletes while still maintaining the group, uh, the group class aspect of his gym. If you are a gym owner, this is just an incredibly intriguing conversation, so I highly recommend you tune in. Uh, Judd's a super smart dude, so you'll probably learn something. Here's my interview with Judd Dean. All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. I am here with a longtime friend, uh, Mr. Judd Dean, better known as JD. It's up in Delaware, CrossFit First State. I was trying to think the other day, I know where we met, but I'm trying to remember what year that was. It was at the Mid-Atlantic Hopper Challenge. Yes. But I don't remember what year that was. Oh. It had to be one of their first years even doing it. It was it like 11, probably 11, 11 or 10, maybe it might've been 10. It was a long time ago. It was at CrossFit yeah. BWI. I was at that spot yeah. right by the airport. I remember that. Yeah. So that's where, that's where, uh, JD and I met and, uh, and we just kind of always kept in touch, um, you know, via the interwebs and, uh, JD's a super sharp dude. So some of the things we're going to talk about today, um, recently had a master's athlete go to the games, which I think is uh, a significant ordeal. You know, JD's, Really, really sharp dude when it comes to programming. Also owns an affiliate, obviously. Um, and then has done a lot of work with people for, you know, uh, bodybuilding competitions and a lot of stuff. So sharp on the nutrition aspect. And then uh, I really am excited to dive into some aspects of what JD's done with his gym, which has kind of changed a little bit of the model um, and what he's doing as far as switching from everything being brick and mortar based. But, uh, dude, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, absolutely, man. We had, uh, had a little fun family day this morning at the beach, did a little body, body surfing, playing with a little guy and the wife, and then uh, had some calls with some online clients, and then chatting with you now, man. That's the life, bro. That's the life. <clears throat> um, so let's start with, so another interesting fact about we always met, but also, we also went to, we didn't go to prep school together, but Jay was at the Naval Academy Prep School. You were there a year before. A year after you. A year after, after I think. After. I, was, so, I was there in two I was there in 2000, graduated 2001. Got it, got it, got it. So for those of you who don't know, um, and I, JD will not mind me saying this, for the most part, NAPS is, for, is, uh, is the Naval Academy Prep School, which is generally for athletes who are not intelligent enough to go directly <laughs> into the Naval <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's, a, it's our redshirt year, right? Yeah, it's a redshirt year, but you get to play sports. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, JD's a football player. Uh, incredible athlete in his own right and um but I, I don't think I knew that until like way after we had met yeah it was, it was a good bit after that we finally figured that out through Jess I think was how we ended up figuring that out Jess and uh Aaron I think her friend Aaron either was, that either that or it might have been we might have been both commenting on maybe one of Kyle Eccles rants <laughs> <laughs> probably and, and then I was like wait a second so Kyle Eckle who oddly enough was in my company at the Naval Academy um, had, I don't know, probably one of the most glorious short-term NFL careers of all time where like yes. he played, I think he played four years. He played for the Eagles, the Saints, and the Patriots and won two Super Bowls. And, and, every, Super Bowl was, and was, every year he was in the NFL, he played in a conference championship. Yes, every single year. <laughs> uh, he was a mess at the Naval Academy, by the way. But he was a mess at Naps. <laughs> super, super good dude. Um, but anyway, um, so anyway, how long, how long have you had first date? Uh, 2008. So since 2008. Damn. Are you going to the affiliate gathering? Right now we're not. Um, just a little personal battle we're going through. Um, my wife just got diagnosed with, uh, two tumors on her pituitary gland. Oh no. Um, actually diagnosed two days ago. So, um, we're kind of in flux in terms of what we're going to be able to do in terms of our travel. And, and right now our number one goal is just getting her healthy and, and yeah. up. As it should be. Well, um, my best goes to all of you guys as you go through that. That's, uh, that's no bueno. Um, okay. So longer than me, because um, I'm coming up on, I'm right at 10. Um, but uh, so talk to me a little bit about the evolution. So right, like right now you're doing some things, but like 
what's your story as far as like getting into CrossFit? So I actually um, <clears throat> had a guy lifeguarded with down here in Bethany and he ended up going to Bud's. So we were training together to try to go to uh, Navy and go Bud's and he got in, was there. He's an officer in, in uh, the SEALs now. And while he was out there, they ended up getting into the CrossFit. That was like when they were doing the CrossFit stuff. Yeah. Right? So we're talking like 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Right when they were kind of having those guys go and learn. So he messaged me and said, dude, I want you to try this workout. You see, your standard friend, right? So he's like, try this, tell me what you get. So I got, did it, told him what I got. He's like, yeah, I just had a chick out here that did it in three minutes. I was like, what? I'm like, how's that even? It was like nine something. I was like proud of myself. He's like, I think you need to start training this way. So I was doing personal training at the time at just a regular box gym, you know, Globo yep. gym. So I looked into it, ended up going to get my level one, started kind of utilizing and implementing CrossFit style stuff with my uh, personal training clients. And then from there, it was like, all right, we're going to open our, our own. So I opened up my own. That's awesome. And then um, how many locations have you guys been in? Just one? We've moved once. So we had our, our first space was about 1,200 square feet. We called it Old Blue. It had these hideous, like, bright blue walls. Um, just It was awful. Um, and then from there, we moved out of there. Now we're in about a 4,000 square foot space. Um, we have a fenced-in area out back with a pull-up rig outside. Um, that's my, that's my dream. That's my yeah. dream is like having outside, you know, like old school, just like jail, jail time, you know? Yeah, exactly. So they call it the yard. Um, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Wife's, my wife's dad came in and put outdoor lighting. So at night you can turn on the lights. So it's pretty rad looking in the fall and springtime. It's pretty, pretty well used. People want to, want to go out there. Were you the first uh, affiliate in Delaware? The second. Who was first? Uh, CrossFit Dover, George Dobbins. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, cool. So, long-time affiliate owner, um, and then, you know, had an athletic background, personal training. I, I got some questions about some of the stuff, you know, that you learned from the Globo Gym, but, um, yeah. but first I want to talk about a little bit about, so you do a lot of personal training, and then this year you had uh, Paul, who is your master's athlete, who went to the games. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Is that is that his first trip to the games? No, he made the games last year in the 55 to 59 as a 59-year-old. Um, we also had five people in the top 50 um, in the qualifier, but we only had – only Paul made games. That, that cut to 10, man, that's that's a game changer in yeah. terms of the So you had five athletes in the top 50 in that 55 to 59 range? No, in, in the overall Masters. In the Masters in general. Masters in general, yeah. That's pretty legit. We got some, um, I mean, this, year, this year, I think we'll get to seven. We signed two new guys that started right after the Open last year who are going to be in really good spots to make it this year. One in the 50 and over, um, and another in the 40 and over. The 50 and over has a legit chance to make it and uh, do really well. I, uh, I might hit you up when I make 40. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I did, you know, this, well, I mean, with regard to Paul, like, that's impressive because most people statistically, you, you don't necessarily age out of that group, but like, for the most part, everybody that's showing up to the games is in that first two or three year um, window, exactly. like 55 to 59, it's like 55, 56, yep. you so basically have to wait a couple years. Yeah, so he was 59, our goal was to make it just to get the experience, we didn't, we weren't expecting as a 59 year old to go out there and do it all, it was only his second competition he'd ever done was the CrossFit Games at 59. So he had some mental, some mental hiccups and mistakes, um, kind of forgot some things, got super excited. You know, the kind of the adrenaline jump, dump where you go out real hot. So we kind of spent this last year learning pacing and, and kind of training within getting him warmed up and ready and then having him wait five to 10 minutes to start because that was a huge kind of shock to his system. Once he got out there, when you're 59, you get hot and you're six, you get ready to work and then you have to sit in the paddock and kind of wait. Yeah. Then he would come out and he was like, dude, I was all messed up in a disaster. So we kind of trained all year preparing for that kind of wait period. And he did much, much better this year. His pacing was perfect. His, he was super calm. And that's the biggest thing is just getting touches. So he'll do Wadapalooza this year because he gets the, the automatic berth. Yeah. And then, uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to qualify to get back to games again this year. So, you, so your training sessions were largely targeted around – a little bit of an assumption that he would qualify and then yeah. so you guys are you guys are basically designing the train the training sessions like the games where you're going to get warmed up and then you're going to wait yes exactly make it as much like game day as possible i read a i read a really great book on george st pierre and he utilizes that through his training camps he would actually go out warm up 
go out to the cage and then walk around kind of waiting, you know, for the, for the music to stop. And then the next, the next guy to come out to fight and that delay. And then he would go into his training. So we kind of utilize that principle of get warmed up, get ready, and then chill, wait, stay calm, stay kind of mobile just enough within your little paddock area space so that he could still show his uh, optimal performance out there. And then how did he fare at the games? Um, at games, we won. So he won the 60 and over. Dude, that's legit. Um, yeah, so he won 60 and over this year. Um, going into the last event, we were in third, but we were very confident with what those events were. Um, stud muscle-up guy, engine, and having those three back-to-back -back events is very much like we train within our own sessions. You know, we do something, rest two minutes, do something, rest 10 minutes, do something. So it very much mimicked what we've been training for. That's so cool. he went out there and then he got third, first, second in those in that little three-headed monster at the end and, and won. That, and that scoring, the way they did it and they changed the scoring like that, I think it's great because it allows for some massive shifts like there at the Absolutely. end. Like you, you can't – I'm not going to say it's impossible to run away because Tia kind of did it, but it makes it much harder to just run away with the event. Oh, absolutely. When I talked to him before that final event, he played, uh, he played baseball and was a really good baseball player. I said, dude, you got in at bat in the ninth inning. That's all you can ask for. We have an at bat. Like, let's go swing. Yeah. And went for it and, and snuck, it, snuck it out, man. That's awesome. Yep. Just, just got to put it in play, dude. Just got to put it in play. Uh, cool. So I want to talk a little bit about his training and what that looks like. So obviously, you, you know, you and I are definitely not old, but you know, we are, you know, pushing the 40 range and then, and how does that training or how do you approach that? Because do you, so do you only kind of specialize in masters athletes? No, we have a couple of young guys. I had uh, two this year do the Italian showdown, a guy and a girl. They both got 20th. Okay. Um, so we have some, we have some younger guys. Um, but those are the two kind of best. We have a last or last time they did regionals. We had two guys make regionals in the mid Atlantic. Um, so we have a couple young ones, cool. but for the most part, a lot of them are the masters guys. I mean, it's hard to say, but when you look in at this world of CrossFit, the masters have the money to pay, man. That's a good point. That's you know, a the masters have the money to pay. You have a 22 year old that's just finishing college and you're like, Hey man, I need you to pay me $265 for me to coach you online. And they look at you and they're like, uh, yeah, I can't, like, I can't, I can't do it for free. Yeah. You know, this is how I put food on the table and provide for my family. So the masters athletes have the money to do it. They have the time. I mean, you get like Paul, somebody who owns his own business. A lot of the other guys I train are lawyers, businessmen. They, they have the ability to pull away from their business now because they, they're so established and they have the time to make sure they get, you know, body treatments. They have the time to make sure they get their morning aerobic work in. They have time to make sure they're getting good sleep. A 22 year old, they, they're all over the place, man. And it's an expensive sport at that age because there's food, there's the ability to train, there's they have the hours to train. It's hard for a 22, 23 year old guy or girl to be able to afford to pay for a top end coach, Un unless they just live in their affiliate, you know. They're exactly, owner, you know. But yes, that's, that's a, but that's a good discussion about trying to find or establish your target market. You know, I Absolutely. think that's something that I've learned. You know, kind of the hard way over the years is from an affiliate standpoint, like we live obviously in an, in a, an incredibly heavily populated, like military federal employee um, area. And, you know, a lot of people do, have asked how much of our gym consists of military. And what I would tell everybody is that number has gone down year over year. And has, I was obviously, I was in the military, it has nothing to do with in the military, but that's a, that's an incredibly transient population. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them don't, uh, a lot of them are like the younger enlisted guys who don't have an incredible amount of disposable income. And it's not that you don't want to train those guys, but from a business standpoint, like, just like you mentioned, it, they can be a little wishy-washy, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're not consistent when they train the, the financial funds are all over the place and we'll help them and we'll, we'll train the shit out of them when they come in. But the ones that are my most consistent are, you know, that probably 35 to 40 range. And they're, yeah. Like, yeah, they're like, I just want to be healthy. And they're like, they're not looking for anything crazy. They're very coachable and compliant. Um, and they're the most fun. Absolutely. You get down into the, the, the younger age crossfire that wants to be really top end. And to a great degree, it, you end up kind of compromising your brand because they want to be able to come in when they want to come in. They want to be able to do the workout. They, then you end up not having a, a set community that's all aligned with doing the same thing. And then we're trying to get to the same place relative to those goals be different, but you kind of have to be very authentic and very consistent in how you, you approach people 
And when you have that 20 to 25 year old that just kind of wants to free for all it, it, it throws everything out of alignment, out of whack. Yeah. I've I found that either they either has to be a little bit more mature or they have to come from some sort of pretty high level athletic background where they understand the, the value of structure. I mean, like this yes. is the program, this is how practice works. This is what we're going to do. Yes. Otherwise they're the program hoppers and they're like, well, I exactly. Saw, I saw this and I do that. And this person did that the other day. I'm going to do it. I'm like, that's not in the program. Like knock it off. Exactly. And that, that ends up making, they end up feeling, well, I worked with Judd and he didn't help me. Well, you didn't actually work with me. You did, you know, comp train along with what I was telling you, along with a, a hero wad you threw in there randomly. So it ends up, it ends up sacrificing your brand and not helping it. So yeah. you have to really make sure that's aligned, you know, and that they're kind of in your, in your process of going through to make sure they, they're a good client for you to work with. Right. Take yeah. the time to do that. You're you're not going to be known for the jobs you say yes to as much as the jobs you say no to sometimes. That's a good point. I'm, I'm learning that the hard way. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very say, hard. Say no, say no more often. Yeah. You have to say no more often. If it doesn't line up. You know, I, I just had to, to message somebody online that was, was reaching out to me to be an online client. It's not like I don't need the money. I mean, I would love, but it wasn't a good fit. It just wasn't going to be a good fit. Um, so yeah, I got to say no sometimes. What does that, what does that training regimen look like for your, for your master's athletes? As far as like some of the older guys, let's go 40 plus, like, okay. like volume frequency. Are there things you're avoiding or are there things you're doing more of? I'm sure it's obviously athlete dependent, but like in general, what does that look like? Absolutely athlete dependent. But as we've seen the, the CrossFit open, especially now it's a, it's a game of the open and it's a game of the qualifier. And we don't get heavy very often in CrossFit anymore. I mean, it's not, it's it, why study for 5% of the test, right? doesn't make any not, sense. Test yeah, not till the big show. Not yeah, till not, till, not till you're there. You got to get a place at the, a table before you can take anybody's food, right? So you got to get, get that seat first. So we're very engine focused, very much pacing focused. I mean, it's a sport that's rewarding the pacer. You have to know how to pace. You got to be able to get on the rower. Like, you know, people talk about like, well, what did Paul do? I'm like, if Paul sat on a rower and rode intervals over and over and over, until he could close his eyes and I could say, I want you to row me a 145 with your eyes closed. And you could hit a 145, 500, open your eyes, rest two minutes, hit me in a 145 again, eyes closed. And you could hit it over and over and over. And I'd say, I want you to hit a 150, close your eyes, you can hit a 150. So when you can get to where you can do that, you're gonna be really scary in CrossFit because you're gonna be able to feel what your engine feels like. I mean, that's what made you good at it. You, your engine was good. You could get done a workout and be like, I could have done another round a little faster at that same, that same pace. Yeah. When you can't do that and you're the guy flopping on the ground at the end, you have no chance of winning this thing. That, that's, it's interesting you brought that up because I've done things like that. So I've trained people for, you know, uh, marathons and triathlons and then uh, quite a few guys for like different selection programs in the military. And that's yeah. one of the things, and that's one of the things that I'll do with, with the, when they run is we'll do a lot of interval training um, and we'll do, and I've learned a lot of stuff from Henshaw. And, uh, but one of the things I'll do is I'll, I'll throw in things like that where the, the pacing runs are without a watch. Yeah. So they start and they leave their watch there and they take off on that run, whether it's on a track or whatever, and then they're going to gauge it at the end and be like, and they'll step off and, I, and same thing. I want them to step off and I want them to know, Hey, this is a 635 mile pace. I don't want you to have to think about it. I just want you to know immediately because that allows them to dial it up or dial it back. Not yeah. chase, not chase that rabbit who's running a 545 who's going to blow up <laughs> 800 meters. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of them really struggle with that. And they're like, how am I going to know? And I'm like, we're going to do it by feel. Like, and yeah. this is going to make you so supremely confident on game day that you're not going to have to worry about any of that shit. Absolutely. You have to be able to feel it. And once you can feel it, you can almost have this superpower where you can see into the future to see what am I going to feel like at minute 14 of this 18 minute end rep. And you'll be able to feel that at minute four and go, this is too hot and dial back enough so that you keep that pace through the workout as opposed to being four minutes in, be like, I can hold this, I can hold this. And boom, you're dead at minute nine and you got six or seven minutes to go. Or you get to the end and you feel good and you're like, I definitely have enough to hammer this thing for yeah. the last like 50 reps. And yeah. I feel comfortable doing that. Absolutely. Very it's cool. all learning. It's, it's, it's so much repetition of learning and not just how, what's my score today? What's my score today? It's walking away with a, with a feel, we use, we use the True Coach app for all of our, our personalized guys. So I tell them like, I don't just want your score. You can't just write your score for me. You have to write how you felt at the beginning of the workout, how you felt during the workout, how you felt after the workout, how your recovery was, could you run faster, slower? Like so all that intel matters so much in terms of how I'm trying to program for the next workout and our conversation and dialogue to improve them. 
one of the things we're getting ready to implement at the gym, um, not because it's cool or whatever, is adding heart rate monitors. So like water yeah. has that function in there. But one of the things we're, it, it, so it's not about like, ooh, look at my heart rate. Like It's not a splat point. Right, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We are going to educate everybody. And so I've already done some videos to kind of like let people know why we're doing it. But one of the things, you know, there's a massive misconception about heart rate. And they're like, ooh, I worked at this heart rate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like absent of any other information, it doesn't tell me whether that was like how long you worked, what, what was that a good decision? And it's like, if you do a, a, a three minute Fran and you are at a heart rate of 140 and then you do a three minute Fran at a heart rate of 130, you're fitter. Most people wouldn't think that, but like if you, because like I didn't go any faster, I'm like, but biologically you expended less energy to do this Absolutely. Thing, right. So getting people to it, it have that visual so that I can have a, a more concrete conversation about like, you see that? You see your heart rate at 180, that is sustainable for like another seven seconds. Yeah. So stop doing that. Yeah. And we look at, at CrossFit, it's a, I mean, we get the top end guys, the Wadapaloozas, the games, it's multiple events. So if I'm doing that frame at three and my heart rate was 10, 15, that's huge how when event seven comes up, exactly. right? If I do that over all those events, event seven, that look at Matt, right? Went in the last day and then boom, boom, win, win. Thank you for playing. I'll take my first again. And I'll tell you what, I've seen him and Rich, I, I, I judged Matt on the very last event this year, and, uh, and I've seen him and Rich both up close and personal at that level, and I am a firm believer that they win for two, for two main reasons. Obviously, it's all the training in the background, and the, what they've done to lead up to that, but they both move very well, and they both pace better than anybody. Yeah. They very rarely look physically or psychologically stressed. This year was the only year I've ever seen Matt since he's won half like look like he was working really hard, and that's because he had to because it came down yeah. to the end. Yep, the, the, those top guys. It's almost there's there's like a different gene that like is a self regulation gene that lets them work just below threshold and win, and they yeah. can do it over. I mean, if you had it another day, he'd win again. If you had yeah. another, day, they would just keep winning because they're able to operate with that threshold point is just below. Where for you and I to keep up with them, like I did the, the comp down at, uh, at your place the one year and was second to Ben going to the last event, right? I was yep. right behind him in like all three events that we had. And then the last event, he obliterated me. Why? Because for me to be that close to him for the other three events, I was beyond red line and almost killing myself. But he was just chilling. Yep. I was like, it, there's, a different, there's a different component that he has that I don't have. And there's, there's no training. Mean, there's no different training I could do. He had the ability to self-regulate way better than I could self-regulate. So obviously pacing is a big part of what you guys do. And that, and that obviously involves a lot of interval work, but what is in from a standpoint of volume, like as athletes begin to age out or age up, what are you looking at with regard to volume on those athletes? So what I'm looking at is um, volume, intensity, and frequency, those three things. And with the masters guys, especially as they, they age or if there's any type of injury, I don't ever want to have more than two of those things high. So if my volume's high, my intensity can be high, but my frequency can't be. So I got to have more rest days. If I'm giving them a lot of frequency, I got to have, maybe I give them high frequency and high intensity, but a really low volume. So those are kind of the three pieces that I'm going to try to balance and make sure I never have all three of those high. And that was kind of, I learned that myself as I tried to try to keep up with those guys and I was getting older. I'm like, I can keep up one more year. I elevated all three. And what the end result was, was my body broke down. So that was kind of something I learned on my own that I need to make sure with these guys as their agent, I'm being really smart in which one of these pieces I elevate and what piece I, I lower down. And you have to have the conversation with them. So they're not like, dude, I'm really not working out that much. Yeah, you're working out. You're not working out as much, but we're going really, really hard right now. And we're going really, really often. Right. So you kind of have that conversation and work yeah. that out. That's, that's something that we've, uh, not just like with individual athletes, but like over the years, and we've gotten a little bit better at it uh, is, is getting people to buy into the program. So kind of what we were talking about before, yeah. which is people, I, I mean, and you were the same as we were probably back in the day, which is like, what's the, what's tomorrow's workout? And you're like, you'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check the website at 9 PM. And it's like, you know, just tell them what it is. And, but it also what we've gotten a little bit better over the years we now put out like a, a programming overview for the month and kind of explain the why like people want to know the why oh absolutely 
it has to align with what why they're doing this in the first place, right? Like, why am I going? Why am I going to do CrossFit? Why am I going to do this workout? If it's just random, doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work. Like, if you if you did truly randomized programming, and you did a 10k run tomorrow, and they knew there was a 10k run coming, not too many people are coming. If you did the old school, you know, seven sets of one, you'll have the guys that really like lifting, and the guys that don't like lifting won't come. So we need to understand why we're doing what we're doing and make sure we have something that can get everyone to their reason of why they're doing this in the first place and explain what that is. That's why we're the professionals. They're not, they're not professionals. They have no idea. They just, a lot of them are just cortisol junkies after a while and they just want a really hard, intense workout and feel dead on the floor. But they don't realize what that's doing long-term to them. They don't realize if that's good for them or bad for them. If that aligns with why they're doing this in the first place. Like these are, these are conversations that kind of have to take place. And a lot of times box owners are so excited that they got a new person in the door they never talk to the person. They're just like, on ramp and go. And then you wonder why the person didn't stay around for 10 or 12 years. I mean, I, I, people I've been training for 15 years because we've always aligned why they're doing what they're doing. So they're excited about still coming to the gym and still getting better. I mean, I have, we have a lady that's 83 that went on a hiking trip with her family and was able to go up to the top of the mountain with her grandkids. And she's 83 years old. She's still deadlift. She can jump rope, but she understands why she's doing what she's doing. And she'll be able to be solo you know, until she's in her 90s, still being able to take care of herself. That's awesome stuff, man. But yeah. what's her why? Why is she doing what yeah. she's doing? And that's what it's about from a, from a coach and affiliate standpoint is like that is what more people – and I think the, the, the community is shifting back to that now. But like that's what everybody should want. Like you should want – like if I walk into the gym and see that lady, like I'm stoked. Yeah. I mean Absolutely. like I'm, I'm like ready to coach. I'm like all, all <laughs> like Barbo, like let's do it. Like let's make it happen. Um, with regard to that communication, what does that frequency of communication look like with your athletes? Well, I'll ask, I'll ask it to you in two different lights. So with your individual athletes, and then do you do something similar within the affiliate? Yeah, within the affiliate, um, we always have monthly meetings. So we set it up as monthly. Monthly meetings are 15 to 20 minutes long. You sign up you know, at the front of the box for each month of when you're going to sit and talk down with, talk with one of us, either talk with myself or my wife, Jenna. Um, certain clients really like to talk to her. Certain clients want to talk to me. It kind of depends on which, if you want the hard love or if you want a little bit more coaxing love uh, on who you're going to sign up with. And sometimes she'll go, I'm not getting through to, you know, this person. I want you to do the meeting or be at the meeting with me. Um, and then with our online people, we do it bi-weekly. So we yeah. talk to them. But just so we don't get to see them just for small talk, you know, with your, yeah. with your people at the gym, they're coming in. And while they're warming up, they might express something to you, like that's something that's going on tough at work or something that's happening with the family. So we yeah. get a little more in, in person. We get to see you more and talk to you more. But online, we don't get that as much. So we do a biweekly 15 to 20-minute call. Um, that's what I was doing before we met is to just kind of realign, make sure we're all on the same page, how their life's going, what roadblocks might be coming up, and kind of make sure we're still all on the same page and why we're doing what we're doing. The – with the uh so at the affiliate art so that does that mean you guys are sitting down with your entire client base every month yep that's we started doing we're not even that good so i feel like a chump now but the, so what we switched to a couple months ago is like we are we're we're getting at least two to three touch points like outside of the gym so whether it's okay. like email phone call text just to check in yeah it's i mean it's it's all retention based but like we generally like want to know or genuinely want to know like what's going on in their lives. Like, why haven't I seen you in a week? What's going on? And this person, you know, decides to disclose that they're dealing with a massive amount of depression. I'm like, okay, like how can we help you deal with that? Yes. But if I just be like, well, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while, yeah, whatever, you know, like yeah. I'm not gonna be able to help that person. Absolutely. And then that's someone you're not going to keep for, you can keep that person for 10 or 15 years. Why keep trying to hunt for new clients to keep the ones you have? And that, that person that you reach out to and figure out like the massive depression they're dealing with, you don't think they're going to tell their friends like from Jason, I'm getting more than fitness. Yes. Like your client needs to leave your gym and say, that place gives me more than fitness. That place gives me more than a workout because they can find a workout on Pinterest. Yeah. Right. And we can give teach great movement, but they need to leave like, what I'm doing within this little hour of my day, like you said, the best hour of their day, is having a trickle effect into the other 23 hours, into my relationship at work, my relationships with my kids. It's, that's, that's the main goal of what we're doing. If, if we're not doing that, we're really just kind of going through the motions. We're no different than Planet Fitness. We might as well give you a Tootsie Roll when you come in. Yeah, so, 
so for any affiliate owner or coach, like, you know, start with trying to get a certain number a month and then figure out how to scale that out is what I would tell you. But like figure out how to, and even if it's just start, you know, baby steps, if it's just texting everybody in the gym, once yeah. you got a frequency and then try to figure out how to do those sit downs. But what have you guys found to be effective with regard to what, like, what is the anatomy of a successful sit down look like with a member? The, the biggest thing we would we'd usually do is we usually start out asking how their meal plan is going. How their food going. My degree is in nutrition and dietetics, so almost everyone we have has, is on some type of food protocol, right? Some type of food prescription. Some people do macros. Some people we give an exact food plan for. Some people are doing something like just of like, how's your water intake, right? So it kind of all depends on what their goals are, on what we're going to be talking about. So we'll have some takeaway points from our meeting before, and then we're going to get into like what roadblocks do you see coming up in the next month. Cause that's the biggest thing we have to navigate. That's, that's our biggest point that we can help. If they don't come in the gym, we can't help you. Yeah. I can't help you. So we need to figure out what roadblocks are coming to make sure we get to see you or that when you're doing your program online, that I'm making sure you have workouts that can help you when you're away at this meeting to make sure we stay on track. We're still getting positive hormone responses. We're staying in a good sleep pattern. So those meetings are going to be first. We're going to talk about your food. Cause that's, that's our 80% game, right? Is yeah. if I'm not eating well, then I'm not sleeping well. If I'm not sleeping well, I'm not going to want to go to the gym. I'm going to hit snooze the next morning and not come to the 5:30 class. So we're going to talk about your food first, whatever that looks like for you and your goals. Then we'll talk about your roadblocks. And then I always want to talk about goals you've reached in the last month and goals you have looking forward to three, six and 12 months out. I like it. Uh, from a, from an affiliate standpoint and a business standpoint, are your, is your nutrition or your nutrition services and your memberships wrapped in one or are those separate or like for, for somebody who's a gym owner, who's looking at this and be like, I would like to do that. I mean that, cause that's every affiliate owner's like perfect dream is that I got a people that I got a group of people that want to train and who are down on nutrition. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how have you guys done that effectively? So now everything's kind of a, a one-stop shop. There's a, there's an old story of three blind men trying to explain what a, when an elephant looks like. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. You ever heard this story? I, I have, but I, I, I would, I would butcher it if I tried to tell it. Okay. So for you guys listening in on this, there's a old story of three blind men trying to explain what an elephant looks like. So one guy is, puts his arms around the leg and he goes, an elephant looks thick and big like a tree. Another blind guy grabs the trunk. And he goes, no, an elephant's skinny and long like a snake. The other guy rubs the ear and says, no, it's thin and flat and really soft. If I don't have all the pictures, I have no idea how I can help you. I need all three. I need your lifestyle. I need your food. And I need your workouts. If I don't have all three, I, don't, I can't tell you what if it's an elephant. I can't tell. I can't help. So I want to control as much as I can control. So we used to do meal plans were separate. You know, our lifestyle coaching was separate. And our workouts were separate. Now you have to get all three or we're not going to work with it. We want, we want to control as much as we can control so we can really, really help you. So you don't even have an option that's just like, I just want to train. Yep, you don't have an option. I like it. And that's what we talk about with like our brand, right? If I have this guy who's getting his food, his lifestyle and his training, and I'm controlling all that, and he's getting awesome results, and you're like, no, I just want to train. And you're not recovering, you're not sleeping, you're not getting hurt. Then you leave and go, I got hurt. Well, you got hurt because you weren't, you were eating inflammatory foods, you weren't sleeping. I didn't know any of this, and I was giving you hard workouts. What, uh, so now I'm going to ask some, a lot more practical questions about this because I, I can think of like all the, all the objections to this from, from an affiliate standpoint. When did, yeah. when did you guys make the shift on that? We kind of, the other gym, we had, geez, we probably almost had a hundred, hundred people, I would say at the gym, 120 members. Okay. And like standard CrossFit kind of is what it is. A group of guys that have been there for a couple of years were like, we know everything we need to know. We're going to go open one a quarter mile down the road and we're going to reach out to these, the people that currently go there offer a little less and it, you know, the standard kind of CrossFit. Yeah. There's only two stories and that's one. Yeah, so it happens. So it happens. It is what it is. So we kind of realized we can't, I can't compete with what they're doing. What they're doing isn't what I do. So we're going to kind of change this model around instead of trying to be like, we'll just keep cutting the price. We're going to say we're doing something very unique and very specific. And if you want these things, you'll come to us. If you just want to work out, that's great. More power to you. That's if there's another place that you can go that will offer you that, but that's not what we're going to do. And now they're doing very well. We're doing very well. And it's, it's a perfect situation. The people that know like, Hey, I want to try to get really good at this. I want to drop 50 pounds. I want to get 
off my diabetes. They know you come here, I'm going to give you all of the tools to do that. There you're going to have, you know, fitness and fun and have a good time. And that's, that's great too. And that's, that's perfect for some people, but that's not what we do. It's a, it's an interesting just thought experiment because that that's always the question is, you know, as CrossFit evolves and there's more gyms, like, well, how do I separate myself from everybody else? And some of that might be with just the services where like, we only do it this way. Yes, exactly. There's only one thing we offer and this is the package. If you don't want that, if you don't want that, then that's fine. No harm, no foul. But those are the people that we work with. And I can only imagine that your retention is incredibly high because of it. It's, it's excessively high. I mean, we have people 10 years, 15 years, five years. We don't get a lot of new people, but everyone we have, we have. And now we're starting to, to reach out and expanding our online portfolio through people knowing what we offer and seeing the results that people are getting because I'm controlling all three of those aspects. We're having these meetings. We're keeping you aligned with your goals. So that's kind of the, the niche that we've kind of dug out in what we're doing. It's different and you have to be willing to charge more to do that and be okay with, we had, I think since we made this switch, we probably had 10 or 10 or 15 people leave and go to the other gym, but that's okay. Right? What, what we offer isn't what you want and that's totally okay. I don't care if somebody does Zumba. I don't care if they do CrossFit at another gym. I don't care if they do Pilates, yoga. If you're doing something that's aligned with what your goals are, that's awesome. Clearly I'm going to think what I offer is, superior to everyone else. And if I didn't think that I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So let me ask you this. And this is a personal question because I, I feel like every entrepreneur, business owner, gym owner kind of goes through not just personally, but within the staff as well. And I don't know how big your staff is, but that moment when you kind of go through this self-realization of self-worth and you're like, Hey, I'm actually pretty good at what I do which means I should be nowhere close to this person down the street, right? If, yes. if I have, you know, for like for you, if, if, I, if this is my degree in nutrition dietetics and this is my training background and this is my experience um, and this guy down here has arbitrarily, you know, whatever certifications or certificates that they have that are nowhere close, I still would have a problem because I'm afraid of the market. Yeah. Like what, like how, what, how did that process look for you? I mean, I know what it looked like for me. And one day I was just like, I'm over it. Like we're better. So we're just going to be better. Yeah. And it was very, I mean, for a year I dropped our prices drastically and it didn't work at all. (laughs) It was terrible. I was getting the people that would come in and join for a month and leave or two months and leave or come sporadically here and there and then they signed a year contract and then they wanted out of the year contract so it's like this this is not working very well and you know my wife it's been a huge support system to this she finally went you're worth more than this you're worth more than this so i had to be okay with watching our membership number on my you know we do zen planner watching that little thing go down 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 and as i'm panicking it's going down she's like you're missing the number at the bottom that's income for client going up 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 to now, with, since we made this switch, we've quadrupled our income on a monthly basis. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Um, and the gym, it's crowded enough, but there's enough space for everyone to be able to do what they need to do. Um, the energy is great because everyone is excited to like come in and do their workout. The people that have stayed that do group totally understand. They come in, they do their workout, they're happy. Um, so we have a great dichotomy and mixture of what's going on there. Everyone's really aligned with what we're doing. That's and really cool. So that's actually, that's actually what I want to kind of pivot to a little bit is because you've, you've switched the model a little bit, which, which I think is smart with context, right? I think it's smart if you're, if you're good, Yeah. <laughs> not smart if you're not good. Um, which is like, you still run group, group classes, but you have a lot mm-hmm. of personalized programming within your gym as well as online clients. Yes. How did, how did that evolution come about for you like as a coach slash business owner? So our, our group people, we ended up sitting down, we decided to make this switch. We had a meeting with everyone in group. And at the time we had about six or seven people just doing the personalized and they saw the progress those people were making. So we had the meeting and asked them, you know, if, is your goal, to really maximize your human potential is your goal. I just want to come in, get a good workout in, live long and prosper and have good, good fun community workouts, which goal, like which kind of side of this do you sit on? 
And if you sit on the, I want to really try and maximize these results, I want to lose this weight, I want to like really want to get really, really good, we think personalized is going to be a better fit for you. If you just want to come in, have a nice strength component, a little Metcon and some core work, this is fine for you. And if your budget is better for that, that's fine. But understand this is where we're going. And this is kind of the shift we're making. And the shift, when you try to do a shift like this, you can't do it like a car, you know, trying to bang a quick, quick 180 or yeah. everyone's going to fly off, right? This, this can't even be a, you know, a hundred foot boat turn. This has got to be like a tanker turn, like where you're going to lose everyone. Some yeah. people are going to fall off, but you got to be okay with a few, like a choosing to leave because they left on good terms. Yeah. Right? This isn't a good fit for me. I want to do it in my home gym. This isn't a good fit for what I want. I want, you know, everyone coming up around the whiteboard and having our discussions. I liked the way that was. I'm going to go down the street. That's okay. But if you try and jank that thing like a car, man, you're going to get blab blood all over the community of like, they just kicked me out because I wasn't a good fit. And yeah. I wanted to make everyone new. No, we're still going to take care of you. We're still going to have our meetings. We're still going to make sure you're having good workouts. We're here for movement solution and to help you. But our focus is going to be on the personalized. Yeah. That, I, and I've definitely made that mistake of, of making changes like far too abruptly because yeah. from a psychological standpoint, nobody likes change. Like, yeah. actually, there's only one group of people that really like change and they generally fall in the entrepreneur bucket where are just like, yeah. oh, I like change shit all the time. Like I just, you know, so, but I, what I've really had to take just stock in is that not everybody's like that. And some people just like the thing because that's just the way they've done it. So you have to, just like you said, that has to be a slow turn. Yeah. Otherwise people freak out and they're just like, I don't like change. Like this is terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's the last thing I want is, especially in Delaware, such a small little, little state is people leaving saying, I didn't want to coach you. It's not that I didn't want to coach you. We, we weren't a good fit. So everyone that left, left on really good terms. They're fine. They're happy. And I saw them at a local comp this weekend and they come up and say hi and how everything's going. Congratulations on Paul and the people that are doing well. And we see you're doing great things over there. And that's, that's great. And I'm happy that they're happy and they're still working out. What do you have like a rough estimate of like what the, what the fallout was of that? Like a percentage wise was like 5%, 10%. Probably 15. But you made that up. Based by average client value went up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, we went to, I think our, our average client value now is almost at like $300 a client. That's legit. Um, legit. So even though we lost this on this end with what we make up on the back end, we quadrupled what we're making. And, and this is something that I don't think enough people think about. And, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, which is like things that give energy versus things that take energy. Mm -hmm. I think once you get into that realm, most of the people that you work with, probably the vast majority, give you energy because they're there, they're committed, they do what you ask, they have a good attitude about it, they work hard, and you guys get to celebrate the results together. Where, oh. you know, if you want to race to the bottom on price point, well, you know, have fun down there. Yeah, exactly. You're completely right. And then, what you have, I mean, we have clients now, they're like, dude, your energy seems so much better. You, you seem, I'm, I'm excited to go coach again, which I've been doing this for a long time. This is all I've ever done to make money. I was a perf I worked at a school system teaching a fitness class to sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Then I worked at a regular gym as a personal trainer. Then I opened a CrossFit gym. So this is all I've done for the last, you know, geez, almost twenty years has been in a in a training realm of training individuals. So for me, I don't think they realize. For me, I'm pretty much the guy that runs the majority of the groups to coach a, a group at four, and then the same thing at five, and then the same thing at six, and then the same. I was like draining myself bro like it was like a battle for me to to give any energy to the seven o'clock i was i was a, i was doing a disservice now yeah that fourth class in a row is is even if you're good like it's garbage yeah i'm like you know what a thruster is like go to town you know Sorry, everybody, don't hurt yourself good yeah luck. exactly like it was it was a disservice to them like, i felt bad about what i was providing now i'm very excited to be there to have you come over like can you go yeah let's go over that let's go over that again let's then I can kind of move around and dance around with each each person that's doing their program, and then I can go over to the group people. Everything good with you guys? Like it's it's a lot more fun for me, um, which and turn my energies better, and they're more excited to come in there. That's awesome, and that's something I've really taken taken like a real hard look at this year. Is like what makes me happy, what doesn't make me happy, mm -hmm. and it sounds it sounds a little woo woo, right? Which is like if you if you do what you like to do, then you'll be successful. But there is some truth to that. Because it, you know, it, but that has to be paired with like, does the thing that makes you happy 
is that valuable to other people? Yeah. <laughs> and, and are you good at it? Right. So exactly. it, it has, you have to be able to check all three boxes. Like, is this valuable to something, to somebody else? Does this actually make me happy? And do I happen to be good at it or can I be good at it? Yeah. And, and then if you're like, okay, well, I found the trifecta, like I'm all in on that. Like anything yeah. that doesn't fall in this bucket, like it's out. Like, you no, know, I say no to it now. So yeah. I don't totally get where you're going with that. Don't double down on something you suck at. Yes. Just be sure that you're good at it before you decide to double down on it. Yeah. Life lessons right there. Yeah. Um, I've done it. I've made, I've made that mistake. <laughs> I, yes, I have to. The, I wanted to ask, so you've worked in the Globo gym. Is there anything, cause you know, we're CrossFitters were notorious for like shitting on Globo gyms, but there are some things that I think we could all take away from Globo gyms. Like, is there anything, Absolutely. That you, there's anything that you learned that you, think has kind of set you up for success that you're like, Hey, CrossFit gyms would be best served by taking some of these best practices from global gyms and, and implementing them in their boxes. Absolutely. The understanding of what accessory work actually is. <laughs> okay. Start there then. Go ahead. The, the word is thrown around so much and people have no idea what actual accessory work is because accessory work is like eating broccoli. It's boring. It tastes, it doesn't taste very good, but it is so good for you. And that is the piece that CrossFitters miss. I have a, my online client base that's, I mean, it's growing exponentially right now because of people going to CrossFit gyms for two, three years, being hurt, being tired of being hurt, and coming to me for an assessment screening and realizing you don't have a rear delt. Like, it's literally not there. And you wonder why your shoulders hurt because you're completely crowned forward. You have no hamstring. Like, you... You don't have these muscles and you're wondering why you've either plateaued or your shoulder feels like shit, right? This is, this is why. So I, what I was able to learn in the Globo setting, you know, I did a, a book called Alpha Male Challenge with Rick Collins and James Villapeg, who wrote the, the Bodybuilding Bible. Um, I worked with Stu Smith over in Annapolis for a couple of years. Yep. My, my ability to work with those guys, um, Mike Jenkins, one of the world's strongest mega competitors that passed away a few years ago. Yep. Um, Fred Small as a bodybuilder. So I've been able to work with a lot of these different guys in, in terms of mentoring to, and then my time in a regular Globo gym to understand what true accessory work is to make you better and not hurt when you're doing things. Um, so that's the biggest thing that cross, like a dip is not accessory work. Like your tricep by itself is accessory work. That's interesting so, that you bring that up. So, be, so we, we'll have a little bit of blend of some of those things, but yeah. so from a practical standpoint, the, the, and you could probably attest to this, but one of the things that we, that I, we get tons of questions about mm -hmm. like the mentor and this actually came up in our mentor group call yesterday where we were talking to a bunch of um, coaches, which was, Hey, I've got these athletes that want to do all like all this extra stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, God, like how do, how do I get rid of that? And what we found, and this was actually at the behest of my head coach now, Cassidy, who works on seminar staff with me, he was like, hey, let's just start writing accessory programming every day. Yeah. And, and like you said, the accessory programming, if you look at it, like it is not cool looking. No, it's terrible. Like, it's, it's a lot of unilateral work. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of tempo compound movements that are light loading. There are mm -hmm. a lot of like, static holds, a lot of midline work, a lot of stuff yeah. like that. things that people have kind of crossfitters don't really have a, like they don't really have a good palate for it. Yeah. And if they do just a little bit of it, I mean, virtually nobody in our gym does all of it because they're mm -hmm. like, this is exhausting. Yeah. So I'm good. And, yeah. and it is virtually limited almost all of the need for people who want to do like extra programming. Yeah. It just the broccoli section. That's really what it is. It's just going to eat a plate of broccoli. And our, our masters guys have days that are literally just broccoli days and they have to be okay with that. Yeah. I've actually, it's funny bringing that up. I've actually been considering throwing that in for myself personally because mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm not old by any means, but I just don't have the desire to go super high intensity every day anymore. No, like, I just, I just mentally don't want to go there. Like I can yeah. do it, but I just don't want to. I'm like, that, mm -hmm. that is going to hurt. It's going to put me down for two days. Yeah. And what we found a lot of people just like, a lot of it is like old school bodybuilding stuff. Mm -hmm. Trying spies. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, dumbbell presses from a seated position. Like all these things that are, that, that nobody's going to post on Instagram. 
you know? Absolutely. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna push me on floor rear delts laying on my side, just rear delting it for five sets of 20. On the other side, five sets of 20. It, I mean, the, like the newspaper came in to do the article on uh, Paul after winning the games. And they come in to take his pictures and he's over there on the bench doing rear delts. And I'm like, eh, that's the picture you're gonna get. <laughs> That's the program. He's not Goodest man in the world, just rear delting it. <laughs> That's amazing. And they ended up using that picture as the top of the article. Goodest <laughs> man. He's got like a, you know, it's a shake weight, you know. It was like uh, a three-pound weight doing rear delts. Oh, that's amazing. But yeah, like that is some it's it's it I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we found to be very effective. And we probably need to retool it because it's never perfect, but um it it has eliminated that kind of everybody wants to come in and do their own thing. And then yes. everybody's on board with the program. And then similar to what you do, when people do sit down with us and we ask that question and we say, what is your issue? Like, and they're like, I don't do, I don't have X. I'm struggling with this. My first question is not nutrition, but it probably should be, is are you doing the accessory work? Yeah. And, and there will be days where they probably come in and like, only do the accessory work for the next four or five, six weeks even. Yeah. And the answer is almost always no. And I said, this is a really short conversation. Start doing that. Like yeah. it's there. You're just not doing it. Yeah. Make like, that your priority. If you're struggling overhead, maybe the, uh, over, or maybe the rear delt shoulder posture work is what you should be focusing on and not going over to try and max your strict press again. Yeah. I, it's, but again, it's not sexy, but I do think uh, once you get people to buy into it, they do, they actually find more value in it. Like, yep. obviously. The, the best the best source you can get when you get them to buy into it is the body composition compliment they'll get. That's when you get them to buy into it completely. Like I have a lot of guys who get like monthly massages and they'll come in after them like, let's just do accessory work. We're going to focus on accessories for a month. And then they come back and they're like, man, my, my massage lady was like, dude, what happened to your upper back? Your, your shoulders are a lot more round. Or I went to the beach and people are complimenting on how good my core looked. Now I'm like, now they just want to do accessory work. Yeah. You're like, you should do some compound movements too there. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's not just do bodybuilding now. Let's go do some cleans too. Um, so now when did you start making the shift to online programming? So geez, I was 2014, 2015, 2015. Okay. Um, so it was my last, I was my last year of not going to regionals anymore. And another local guy, that lived in Delaware, messaged me. I was like, you've made it. I keep just missing it. You're, can you coach me? And I'd never done anything online before. And I'm like, sure, let's, let's go for it, man. Yeah. So he was my very first one. And then he made regionals that year, made regionals every year after that, has made Wadapalooza. Um, and kind of, he was the start of it. And then from there, it's kind of, was just a, a trickle effect. Somebody finally found out that I was coaching him kind of your social media thing. Then another person reached out and another person reached out. And then it kind of just kind of snowballing effect into where we we're able to do online very effectively. Um, I ended up spreading to where I was got outside of the state because another guy who owns a CrossFit, owned a CrossFit gym in California was a border patrol agent, um, reached out. was like, hey, I know you're coaching people online now. My box is kind of all over the place. Can you help? program me so I can learn some things. So I ended up programming him, got his, him rolling, then his partner from the gym started reaching out, then other gyms. So I started programming for a couple of different boxes. Um, and then as I programmed for those boxes, when the box is like, oh, we're good now, we, they peeled back to wanting to do their own programming again. People from those gyms were like, I want to do online now. Like, I like the way you were programming it before. Got so it. it's kind of spread kind of organically that way. Um, and the guy actually that was out in California, that's the border patrol agent. He ended up reaching back out a couple years ago for me to program for him to go through a war tax school. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, he reached out, I, I trained him through that and I still train him then now through bodybuilding shows. So it's kind of, kind of kept reaching out in uh, different capacities. What, um, so what does that look like? So I know, I know some people are, you know, who are listening to this are like, okay, well, what does online I just get a program and I do the workouts and then I pay for this monthly, but it sounds like you are doing a lot more than just writing a program. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to go into online and expect it to work, don't watch the Instagram dude. That's like your profit does this and you don't have to work. Like that's like, it's a, it's a joke. Like if you're going to do online and do it right, you better set aside some time man, to like do it properly and be okay with people messaging you what the heck is this movement? What's my, what's, what am I trying to do for that? 
you got to be really good at communicating online. Be really good at explaining like this is the dose response I want from this workout. You better set aside time for these you know biweekly calls to make sure the person's doing it right. Because when I first started this, I'd send a workout and then they'd send me their results. I'm like, oh, what did you do? Like that's not anything close to what I wanted you this workout to be like. I want this workout to be like sustainable. Like your yeah. first round was four minutes, your second round was nine minutes. So you better sit aside time to make sure you're touching those people just as if they were in the gym. If you think you can just send them a monthly workout and be like, all right, there's 265 bucks in my bank account. I'll see, I'll talk to them next week. It isn't going to work for you. So, um, so when you're, so that frequency, and we talked about it a little before we hit record is about two weeks, right? So you're, you're, yeah. you're sitting down and then how, how long is that phone call? So the phone calls are 20 minutes bi-weekly. So we talk about what you did the week before and we talk about the week coming ahead. Like, so what's programmed ahead of you. So what you're going to be looking into, what we're looking for for you to get the right responses, the roadblocks that they might be running into, things that they might feel. We talk about the, whatever their food is. And then every night I talk to them through social media, uh, through True Coach, through their app. I reply to their workouts or they video movements for me, depending on what our goal are. You know, somebody wants to improve deadlifting without hurting their back. I'm going to say I want you to video every deadlift and upload it to True Coach so I can see how you're moving. Got so it. So a lot of uh, – back and forth daily, even with those people. So you, you better set aside, you know, two hours a night to be able to sit at your computer and write back and forth to these people to make sure that they're squared away. And like my little boy, he always tells me, make sure you, it used to be called Fitbot, now it's True Coach. But he's like, make sure you get all your, make sure you get all your Fitbot work done before we play data. Because I'm like, all right, I got to stay up late or I got to get up early to make sure that's done so that I have the time to go to go play with him and spend time with him. So that, so that is actually my next question from a, from a personal boundaries standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. So if this sounds amazing and, yeah. and everybody's like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you can become a slave to this just like anything else. What kind of, what kind of boundaries do you put? Like clearly you were at the beach earlier today. So there you've, you've, you know, gotten better at that, but what do you have in place as far as like, I, do, I work here and I don't work here or this is when I'm responding and this is when I'm not responding. Yeah. It's very hard. And you're, it, it's going to be ones where people push that and you have to be okay with them. Like, dude, you can't do that. Like I have guys that'll message me on like Sunday night at seven 30 tomorrow for the prowler. What weight should I put on it? Like, dude, you're messaging me that at seven 30 at night on a Sunday. So during those biweekly meetings and you know, at the very start is you kind of have to be willing to lay out the rules of engagement of this is how it's going to work. I want you to read ahead for the whole week. These are the workouts you have. Compose all your questions of that week and text it to me or send it to me on True Coach so that I'm not getting a question Monday, a question Tuesday, a question Wednesday. And that's the key to doing this because when I didn't, when I first started, I did not do that. And my frustration level was like skyrocketing. Because I'm like, dude, why is this person messaging me again? I'm like, they're paying me, they're paying me. And then I was finally talking about, she's like, we need to set aside, like, these are the hours you'll reply. These are, send all the messages at one time. So it's been kind of a, a tug of war figuring that out as we go. But we're finally starting to get into a really good place where everyone kind of understands how it works. That we expect, you know, promptness on the phone calls. We expect you to send, read your whole week ahead of time. Send me all the questions at once. So the part of me is I have to be sure I'm on, on task and making sure they're staying out at least two weeks ahead. So we can talk about what's coming in terms yeah. of the programming, right? I can't be lazy and be like, only program two days for them and be like, I'll get it to, to, to it later. I got to make sure I'm sitting aside time to keep sure that they're on track and we have something to discuss. Yeah, that because that's the thing that I always, and I've been guilty of this on so many levels is, is just like not setting those boundaries where, you know, where it's just like, hey, listen, don't don't message me on my personal social media about business. Like if you have yes. questions, send it to the business and I'll get to it when I, when is appropriate. <clears throat> Cause I, I feel like we all have this, this, that we feel this need to respond immediately. And Tim Ferriss talks about this in the four hour work week. He's like, you do not have to respond. It's not an emergency. Yeah. And the whole thing is he's like, nobody's ever sent an emergency text. It's not, he's <laughs> like, if it's an emergency, they will call you. Yeah. So, you do not have to respond. And the reality is like most people, they don't actually expect you to respond immediately. Like we just have that expectation on ourselves to respond immediately. And then now we've set the expectation. Like they, yeah. they didn't expect us to respond immediately. They're like, Hey, you could have responded to that uh, during the normal work hours. And that would have been yeah. fine. But the second Absolutely. I respond at 9 PM on a Sunday, they're just like, Oh, well then I can just text them whatever. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's definitely, it's definitely uh, one finger pointing out and four fingers pointing back at you on it. <laughs> um, cool. That's super cool, dude. So for what, what would be your guidance for anybody who's considering making a little bit of that shift from traditional primarily group classes to start working a little bit more personalized um, CrossFit training? Cause it sounds like you have like a, a nice little blend of, you still have group classes, but the vast majority of the people you work with are doing something that you've designed specifically for them. Yes. Um, my suggestion to starting it out for anyone who's looking at doing that is pick a few people to start. Don't try to do the, the abrupt turn. Find a few people that you know might have goals that kind of exceed what you're capable of serving within a group class and kind of talk to them individually. Hey, would you be willing to do, this is what I can offer this, 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 and this. This is what it would cost. Is that something you'd be interested in? Sit down and have a conversation with those people because what we ended up having is we had, I think, six people that were doing personalized, and we ended up growing out of that because one of them was a, a Paul who came in, and, I mean, he, he exponentially got better because he never did group. He just came in and did personalized. And his wife had been doing group for five years. I was like, dude, I'm still only doing, like, sets of six, six to eight pull-ups. And Paul came in, he's, he's crushing it. So I was like, well, do you want to switch over to doing what Paul is doing? And she went from, like, I don't know, she's – 400th in her age group to switch to personalized and she was 23rd or 24th um, within that year period and went from doing sets of four to eight pull-ups to doing sets of 25 pull-ups because we were able to go like hey let's dial this part of your back end because you're stronger you have an engine let's like kind of focusing more on strength so kind of picking those people that you think might have a goal to kind of go to that next level like she wanted to try to make the top 50 or the top 200 she had those goals so talk to people like that and then kind of weave them in and then it'll kind of start to spread and you can see if you're good at it or not. Right. That's all. That's all. That's always like the, the last little piece is like, are yeah. you good at programming and coaching people? Because yeah. that is, that's an art, right? That's an yeah. art that, that comes. I, and, and programming in my opinion is only an art. You only become an artist after you've first been a scientist. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you have to be a nerd first. And then you can take all of that information and you can start to paint the canvas with it. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of people where they, they just immediately go to be an artist and they're like, Oh, I'm going to put all these things together. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of problems with that, that you yeah. are just like, not because you're doing it poorly on purpose, but because you're just ignorant in how some of this works. Yes. Study, 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 learn, 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 get mentors, read books. On that note, more seminars, right? Go to yeah. go to more seminars. Like if you're not going to at least two seminars a year, don't even waste your time trying to do personalized and, and really expect to get good at programming. You right. need to go learning from people. Like I just started reading, um, I think it's the fundamentals of periodization again, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I was like, God, there's just so many things I forgot about that. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like. And, and so this is where, this is where some people, you know, they get real hard on the, like GPP doesn't work. And I'm like, calm down. Like, yeah, <laughs> but like most, there's a, there's a huge population of people that don't want personal training, can't afford it, love to be in group classes. Yeah. The, the challenge is like figuring out how to serve both populations if that's what you want to do or making the decision that I'm going to go all in on only writing personal programs, or I'm just going to stick with group classes. But just like you and I were rapping with before, like, the point is to impact people. So figure out how you can do that the best way, whether it's doing one or the other or whether it's doing both, you can do it. It's just a lot of work. It is. It's, it's way more work than being able to think of one good workout for the week or one good workout for the day, go in, touch a lot of people, make sure they're moving well and, and roll out. It's a lot more time consuming. But, you but know, GPP works. I mean, when people say that, that's just, that's just true ignorance of what our end goal is. Cause we look at the big spectrum of like a, a negative 10 to a 10, negative 10 being, you know, morbidly obese. I cannot move. I physically can't do anything. 10 being, you know, Matt Frazier, CrossFit games winner can do anything you ask them to do. GPP is going to take you from any of those negative numbers, at least to zero to maybe a positive two, positive four. You're going to feel pretty friggin' awesome. And any of, now if you want to go from a, a plus five to, to 10, you better go personalize. You better dial in. Yeah. But GPP will get you to feel awesome, feeling really good, living a better life, having pretty solid blood work, sleeping well, you know, being sexually active. It's going to make you feel really darn good. So yeah. to say like GPP doesn't work, is, that's just silly talk. Yeah, I just think those, those are the chronic CrossFit haters that like, yeah. they're just ignoring, ignoring reality, which is like, I think we could all agree that like, 
would it be best if everybody was on their own program? 100%. But that's not real life. So, and, and I think you can get as close to five, even maybe six on GPP if you write intelligent programming. Yes. If you're writing programming that has good variance, that has accessory work written into it, that is not just based on volume, yes, I think you can push people to uh, potentially a sick, but I do agree with you. If I'm gonna go from six to 10, that involves somebody who's gonna come in, assess your movement, assess your weaknesses. Yes. We're gonna have to write some degree of bias programming for a while to fill the gaps in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Absolutely. Very cool, dude. Well, listen, bro, this has been awesome. Um, I feel smarter and I'm sure the listeners do too, but I wanted to talk to you because obviously you've been working with some masters athletes and I thought that the piece about, you know, frequency, intensity uh, and volume and all that stuff is, is super important for people to look at, not just from a master standpoint, but from like just a general programming standpoint. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I really wanted to pick your brain again, just personally on the individualized stuff, because I, I think that's really cool. And again, we're trying to make this the best hour of people's day. We got to, we got to provide a good product. We got to put in the work. And uh, we got to make sure they stay happy. So um, last question, any books that you recommend to people that you either mentor or work with or something, it doesn't even have to be fitness related, just in general. Oh, in general. I know you're a reader. That's why I asked. Yeah. If I had to pick one book for people to be, it would be uh, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Okay. Wild at Heart. That would be my book. I like it. Very cool. Um, where can people find you, man, social media wise, if they're interested in, in, in personalized programming or anything like that? Um, forever hungry athletics, forever underscore, uh, forever hungry underscore athletics is our, uh, handle. Got it. Very cool, dude. Um, awesome, bro. Listen, thank you for your time. If you guys have any questions for JD or about anything about stuff that he's done, go find him. Uh, if you need us to find him, we will take care of it. I've known JD for a long time, sharp dude. Uh, and always enjoy the chat, brother. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate your time. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, one more time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send us any feedback you have to at Best Hour of Their Day on Instagram and Best Hour of Their Day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.